0: Good morning. How are you all doing? Good. I'm good. Yeah. Doing all right. All right. So um, I, I don't know if there's uh, a passage loaded up. I was originally going to teach on uh, Genesis chapter 1. Um, now that's just kind of like a, a part of the teaching. I'm actually teaching on... Um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Uh, you can open your Bibles if you'd like to there. Um, it's the Mary and, and Martha story. As I was uh, prepping and praying, um, this is actually kind of what, what came to the surface as the, the central passage uh, to be teaching on. So Luke 10, 38. And we're uh, continuing, I, I guess, the conversion of Paul is the next section in Acts, and uh, DJ wanted to teach on that, so he kind of said, it's like, not that I don't trust you with that passage, is what he said to me, but he really wanted to teach on that. Uh, so this is kind of diversion from Acts, but it's still on discernment and listening um, to the Holy Spirit. All right, so... Oh, look at that. You're good. Yeah. I think I did the uh, ESV. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you. All right. So Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Um, I feel like our culture has lost um, the sense of hospitality in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't even know in my short 37 years if hospitality was something um, since 1980 till now, but In other countries that I've gone to, I've been to Honduras and Panama and Mexico and Senegal and the Dominican Republic and a lot of different places where hospitality is everything. Uh, I remember going to Mexico when I was in high school and there was this one, it was 25 of us, 25 Americans, and we went down um, to do VBSs and, and go town to town handing out clothes. And I remember clearly... One family that welcomed us into their home and made this chicken noodle soup. Now, I thought chicken noodle soup, you know, I expected something um, like that I grew up with. But it was actually just broth and like chicken kind of just thrown in. And I was like, what is this? With like the bone and everything. But I came to find after that that they spent a week's worth of savings to feed us. Hospitality. And in this culture right here, there was a high value on hospitality. And with this, in this time period, what would normally happen was the women would be serving and cooking and getting the house all ready, while the men would entertain the guests. So by all accounts, Martha was doing what was culturally acceptable, and Mary was doing what was culturally acceptable unacceptable. So Mary com- or Martha comes up and says in verse 41, "But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her." So Jesus in front of everybody gently rebukes Martha and says, "Yes, this is what's culturally acceptable but Mary is choosing what's best. Now, I know this feeling, and probably you do as well, uh, of your having some people over and you're trying to get the preparations ready, the house ready, and at the same time, pay attention to your guests that are there. Anybody else struggle with balancing all of that? Uh, We have the friends called the Whitmans, and we've been hanging out with them for 12 years now. And for some reason... Every time we hang out with them it's for breakfast. And usually in the morning, especially before I've had some coffee, like I'm just not functioning correctly. Yet they'll come over and I'm the breakfast guy, so it's on me. So we have the Whitmans coming over and my friend Glenn, he's a talker. So he's sitting there talking with me and I don't want to just like give them cereal and bagels. So I'm doing potatoes, I'm doing bacon, I'm doing toast, I'm doing eggs. I'm trying to, you know, talk with Glenn all at the same time, and without fail, I always just get so frazzled. Because when I'm cooking that sort of breakfast for my family, I can like somewhat handle it. There was a uh, probably about a two-month period where I said no more hot breakfasts uh, because it was so stressful, but then I slowly like eased my way back into it. But I can totally relate to this. Martha is there, and she's She's running ragged. She's trying to get everything ready. And then she looks over and she sees Mary just sitting there listening to Jesus. I am totally in the spot of Martha to be like, what, what are you doing? Don't you see everything that I have going on here? And you're just sitting and listening to Jesus. Come and help me. And she goes to Jesus and says, rebuke her. I'm here trying to serve everybody. And she's just sitting there listening. Have her come and help me. I know we can relate to this. And the word that's used is distracted. It says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, uh, this word is obviously translated from the original language. And the original word that was used kind of has the connotation of being pulled in many directions at the same time, being pulled in many directions at the same time. And I believe that distraction is the main tactic of the enemy. There's the big sins, you know, that we can all point a finger at, but I think the subtle, culturally acceptable form of distraction is the easiest way that the enemy can get in there. And divert our attention from Jesus. Distraction. Being pulled in many directions at the same time. It's the day-to-day. It's the mundane. And feeling frantic as we're going about our day. Maybe it's just me. But I get that overwhelmed, pulled-in-many-directions feeling. And it's not just when I'm working or something like that. It's in the simple things as well of, you know, having three children and trying to keep my house clean. Pretty much impossible. There's this triangle that I saw one time uh, online that said, sanity, happy kids, clean house. You can only pick two. (laughs) And I'm usually, sanity and clean house, and then the the kids kind of like do their own thing for a little while. But trying to keep our homes in order, being pulled in many directions at the same time. Distracted by our phones and computers. I don't know if your email is like mine, but every time an email comes in, I hear a ding on the computer. Ooh, like, what's that movie? Up with the squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And I just joined uh, with Parker Ford people, um, fantasy football. I can't keep up with that. And then there's all these apps on your phone. There's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Facebook Messenger. I just realized I I didn't even know that Instagram has a messaging app now as well. And I went into there and there was a, a wedding inquiry from like weeks ago. And didn't even realize that was in there. And there's checking in on all of these things. And they have their place, but they can so easily become a distraction. Your email... How many of you have your inbox at zero? None of you. And if you did have it, how long does it last? Five minutes, maybe? Work. There's no longer boundaries with work now that we have smartphones. You're constantly able to be attended to. Entertainment, video games, TV shows, movies... Like all of these things that are vying for our attention, and it's so easily to become distracted, because it's too much. And our culture keeps piling it on more and more and more, and it's in the name of convenience, but so much of it is just a distraction. And again, it has its place. But how much of a place do we allow it to have in our lives? It's subtle. And it's culturally acceptable. It's not clear sin. Sitting and checking email. People wouldn't say, oh, what, you just spent an hour checking email, you sinner? Nobody would say that. Or you just spent an hour cleaning your house or folding your laundry or doing all of these things that we have to do, but we can get so focused on it that we divert our attention from focusing on Jesus. So Martha was distracted, anxious, and troubled by many things. But Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. I find that just, just so interesting. And you have this, um, what's that called, a dichotomy or a contrast here where Martha was distracted by many things, yet Jesus says only one thing is necessary. One thing. And that's attending to our relationship with Jesus. But it's also in the midst of everything. So Jesus isn't saying, like, pull yourself out from all of that. He's not saying, delete your, your Facebook account, your Instagram, your email, quit your job, don't worry about your house. He's not saying any of that stuff. And don't walk out here this morning and say, nope, sorry, mom. I see you, like, laughing over here. Sorry, mom. Mike said this morning that I shouldn't worry about cleaning my room anymore. It's a distraction. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. It's are we slowing down enough to recognize the presence of Jesus around us? So Martha had invited Jesus into her home, yet she was so distracted that she didn't pay attention to him. So as Christians, we've invited Jesus in and he's with us, yet we're over here somewhere else and he's right there just waiting. Saying, you got many things going on here but only one thing is necessary. I'm dwelling in your presence. I'm here in this moment. Will you pay attention to me? Slowing down enough to see the presence of of Jesus. Um, can we toss up that creation slide? So I, I find this illustrated so well in the days of creation, the seven days of creation. As you can see, it was darkness at first, and now we got everything. So th- this is so fascinating to me. A little side diversion here is I believe in that God can create the earth in seven days. Create everything in seven days. But at the same time, if you did it over seven million years, it doesn't really change anything. And when you look at the six days of creation, what I find super interesting, and this is a complete just diversion, is how are days uh, recorded? Through the rising and setting of the sun, right? That wasn't created till day four, which I find super interesting. Okay, sorry. Side topic. What I do find very interesting about creation is if you look, day one, you have darkness and light. God created space. And then what did he do on day four? He filled that space. Day two, God separates the sky from the sea. And then what does he do on day five? He fills the sky and the sea. Day three, God separates sea and dry land. And then what does he do on day six? He fills the sea and dry land. So God creates space, and then he fills it. God creates space, and then he fills it. God creates space, and then he fills it. All right, you can bring the slide down. That's God's rhythm. Create space, and then fill that space. And that needs to be the rhythm of our lives as well. Creating space so that God can fill it. So I got to ask the question, in what ways are we creating space in our lives for God to fill? Now, we don't need to radically change everything in our lives. But is our day and our mind so jam-packed that there's no space for God to fill. What does your morning look like? Do you wake up a little bit early so you can ease into your morning? Or do you press the snooze button as many times as possible, thinking in your head, well, I don't need a ten-minute shower. Do a five-minute shower. I don't need to cook breakfast. I can do cereal. Um... Is there space in your morning for God to fill his presence? What about if you work? What about your lunch break? Is this your lunch? I don't have my phone here, but is this your lunch? Is that your lunch? Or do you take that time to just sit in God's presence? You know, studies are shown uh, recently that boredom is actually one of the best things to spark creativity in your mind. The title of this teaching that I listened to was How Boredom is Good for Creativity. Because your mind, think about it, most of the best ideas come when you're what? In the shower. A lot of my best ideas come when I'm driving in the car. When I'm just allowing my mind to think. (coughs) Evening. What's your evening look like? Are you so worn out from the day that all you want to do is put up your feet and watch a show? Because the day has just taken such a toll on you. What is work like? Do you feel frantic like you're just going from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing and by the end of the day you can't get anything done? What does your weekend look like? Is it filled to the brim with activities and social gatherings and projects and all of that sort of stuff? Are you creating space in your life for God to fill with his presence? Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. Mark one thirty-five says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I've um, shared this before, but about over the past year, we've made it a habit of waking up an hour early to spend time with God. So this morning I was up at 530 a year and a half ago, my mindset would have been, I need as much sleep as possible because I'm preaching a sermon and I want to be well rested. Where my mind has completely shifted to where I usually get up at 6 and this morning I said to myself before I went to bed, I need to get up at 5.30 because I'm preaching and I need more time with God than I normally get. I listened to a podcast that challenged me to change one thing in my life that would then change everything. And I identified that the one thing that would change everything is going to bed earlier and waking up earlier. And it's filtered down into every area of my life because I'm spending my mornings in quiet with the Lord. Created space for God to fill. In our interactions, James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Creating space. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. So as we're interacting with people around us, it's so easy to hear what they're saying, but then want to interject our thoughts or respond. And I've actually tried uh, doing this lately. What if I pause before I respond and, and see if God can fill that space? And it's been interesting how often I've wanted to respond. And I give it just a couple seconds. And that person keeps talking or shares something that I need to hear. Or I actually pause and I slow down and I listen to what they're saying before I respond creating space in our interactions with others. When there's a pressing need, creating space. John 11, verses 6 through 7 say, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. I, I find this fascinating. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, so his best, one of his best friends is on the verge of death. And the response of Jesus was he heard he was sick, so he delayed two more days. I find it fascinating. If you found out that your best friend was dying, would you be like, all right, let's just give it a couple days before I go and visit? No, you'd rush to meet that need, yet Jesus, Jesus stayed two more days. And then when he got there, they were like, Jesus, why didn't you come? Now, I'm not saying like if you get a text and somebody you know is dying to just like wait two days, but I think it's an example of Jesus just sitting back and saying, okay God, like this need, this pressing immediate need is right before me, but he stepped back and said, okay God, I'm going to create some space so that you can fill it in. So rather than just jumping to everything and just trying to do everything that we can, creating some space and saying, okay God, this This situation, this massive, overwhelming situation is before me right now. So rather than just rushing into it, let me just pause. God, this this is before me, and you are over and in and through everything. What should I do? And it's not in the text here, but I believe that's how Jesus lived his life. Where he just would pause and say, God, what, what do you want? What are you calling me to right now? And in some moments he would act. In some moments he would pause. Because he would create that space for God to fill. And then Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now for some of you, um, maybe you're often Alone. But for others maybe you're always surrounded by people. Do you create space so that you can withdraw and spend time with God? Jesus says one thing is necessary. And that necessary thing is to be in his presence continually. John 15:5 says if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's basically, the simplicity of it is just inviting God into our lives. In the simplest forms, When you pick up your phone, right before you check it, just saying, God, and this is going to sound really silly, but just saying, God, you know, as I'm going in to check my email or check my messages, just let me do it for as much time as you want and then to put it down. I'm reading a book, right, or I just finished a book titled, Managing Your Day-to-Day. And one of the things they said in that book is, before you go onto social media, or before you go onto your email, just say to yourself, okay, this is why I'm doing this, and this is how much time I'm going to spend. And then just, then picking it up. And It's not like all of that stuff is bad, but it's inviting God in. Creating space so that he can fill it. Galatians 5.16 You all know this one. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's not like it's time with God and the rest is me time. It's recognizing that, like with Mary and Martha, Jesus is there. He's dwelling right beside us. And saying, you know what? Rather than being distracted and frazzled and anxious... God, you're in my presence right now. What do you want with this situation? I think Martha could have kept on going with what she was doing. The issue was what was going on in her heart and her mind while she did it. So the example of the Whitmans, and we'll see next time I have them over for breakfast if I can do it. The, the example would be, okay, I shouldn't just stop cooking breakfast and give them cereal and bagels. But it should be okay This person that's right here, right now, in my presence, is more important than perfectly cooked bacon. It's close, (laughs) but this, this child that's before me right now, wanting my attention, is more important than doing all of the dishes. This person at work that is talking with me is more important than my inbox, My spouse that's right beside me is more important than the show that we want to watch on TV. I have friends, um, they don't go to this church, so don't try to guess who it is, but they sit in bed every night on separate laptops with headphones on watching their own shows. That's, That's their interaction. And that might be your interaction, I don't know. But like, are we creating space in our lives or are we just subtly distracted and taken away all of the time with all of these things? So Jesus, uh, and this is from the message, has this amazing invitation for us. And I have to believe that we all feel this in some way. We all, none of us invite God into all circumstances of our lives. None of us do. But it's a journey. And saying, what, what ways can I invite God into my day-to-day? Because a lot of us, I have to believe, get to the end of the day and we're just tired. We're about to go into the holiday season and you know, as that's happening, you just say, I can't wait for January. And then January comes and you say, I can't wait for spring. And then summer comes and you say, I can't wait for fall. And it's this living for, for the next moment just to get through it when God's saying, be, be in my presence right now. But I do, I do have to imagine that a lot of us just feel worn out sometimes because we're just all over the place. And Jesus says in Matthew 11... And this is from the message, and I love the translation. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced unforced rhythms of grace. Grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So that's the passage, um, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I just love how it just encapsulates this, where Jesus is inviting us to spend time with him, to rest with him, I'm fascinated by how many things in our life are just day-to-day mundane maintenance type things. Think about it. Like if God wanted us to produce primarily, produce and do, we wouldn't have to eat three meals a day, eight hours of sleep. Think about laundry and cleaning and... um, taking a shower if you do that once in a while. Like all of these things in our life, if you added it all up, the amount of things that are spent on just maintenance would probably be much more than 50% compared to the things that are focused on production. And I think it's God's way of saying, and even think about the days of the week. He says six days you can do and then one day rest. I feel like God has structured structured it that way to just say, Slow down. I think of that Simon and Garfunkel song. Slow down. I'm not going to sing it, but. <laughs> s- slow down. You move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Kicking down the cobblestones, looking for love and feeling groovy. Hello, lamppost. What you knowin'? I come to watch your flowers growing. <laughs> you know that song? It reminds me of a child. Like I, My kids just got their Halloween costumes, and Oliver's walking around in this dinosaur thing, and Ivy's Elsa, and they're just so fascinated by the simplicity of life. And I think that's what God wants for us. Like, just slow down. Look around. Be in my presence. Be in the presence of others. Look at creation. Breathe the air. Enjoy the food you're eating. Enjoy the company that you're keeping. Enjoy your family. Be with them. Rest with them. Relax with them. When you're doing laundry or doing dishes, do it with joy. Don't need to be running around and frazzled. Jesus, in his public ministry, it was three years of time. And you never see him rushing or worrying or running or hurrying up. He took his time, he enjoyed the people that he was with. He listened to God as he interacted with people and and said to God, what do you want in this situation for us right now? And all the way from birth to death, I feel like we're just sometimes just running the race. And it's not always just in like working and building a lives for ourselves. I, I think it's in a lot of other ways as well. Carrie's aunt one time I clearly remember her saying she had and six kids, and now they're all out of the house. And her and Carrie were interacting, and she said that one of her regrets was always trying to keep a perfectly clean house. And I I can relate with that because she missed out on so many interactions with her kids. I'm going to read that one again. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And then Jesus uh, said this to his disciples, and I love this little verse here. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So I'm going to encourage us right now just to, to close our eyes. And um, just want us to do a little bit of uh, guided uh, meditation. May seem mystical, but meditation started with God, so it's a good thing. So just start by just relaxing, relaxing yourself just breathing and just being. Now I want you to picture just some of the things that you have happening today or even just one, one thing that you know by God's grace is going to happen today. Now I want you to picture what will that moment look like if you invite God in to that moment? Will you react different differently? Maybe... Um, You're going to be together with family or friends today. And while you're with them, you're going to be focused only on the, the football game or in the presence of the people that you're with. Maybe you're going to be running some errands with your your family. Are you going to try to do it as quickly as possible? Or slow down and enjoy time together? I want to picture your your typical morning might be getting anxious right now <laughs> picture your morning in in what you're seeing do you see god involved If not, what would it look like to create space as you start your day? Create that space to invite him in. Picture tomorrow. Maybe you're home, maybe you're at work, maybe you have some some meetings or some phone calls, some people that you're visiting, pick one of those things. And as you picture that, what does it look like to invite God into that situation? And finally, picture yourself um, about to sit down at your computer or your laptop or your iPad or your iPhone or your smartwatch. all of the ways that we get technology. So picture yourself just sitting down. You have some tasks to do, some emails to check, maybe some shopping to do, some calls to respond to, some texts to respond to. This is something that we do every day. So right as you sit down, check your phone or your computer. What would it look like to pause for one minute and invite God in? So, you can... Open your eyes. So what, what would it look like just to invite God in? Still doing what we do for the most part, but just invite God in to pause. Think about that. I said, when you get in front of your computer, pause for one minute and invite God in. And sometime... It's five seconds or ten seconds just to pause and invite God in. When you arrive somewhere and you're about to get together with somebody, to pause for one minute and just reflect and picture, what would it be like to invite God into this moment right now? Or as you're interacting with somebody and you want to say something, just to pause and say, God, I invite you into this interaction right now. He's not asking us to come out of the world. But he's asking us to walk in step with him as we go through this world. And we're distracted. We're pulled. Mind races. I've been doing this morning time for about a year now. And maybe successfully I've had like three minutes of undistracted time. Something like that. It's, it's continual. My one friend, um, he's a pastor down at Westchester, Phil Carnuccio. He, he'll get, to get before God. And what he does is he pictures himself in the ocean. And when he wants to just clear everything and spend time with God, he imagines himself just submersing down into the ocean where there's no noise. And then a thought will come into his mind, and he sees it as he's, he's coming up to the surface, and he'll just say, no, I'm going to push that out, and I'm, I'm going to come back down. Spend some time in the presence of God. It's hard. It's really hard. But God invites us into that. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. That's Josh Kumpf. Josh! Just us? Never mind. Stay back. So let me pray. Um, and uh, just invite God into our days today. Lord, um, I just, I thank you so much for, for the fact that you call us to rest, you call us to be, uh, you call us to slow down. I, I'm so thankful that you are not just a demanding boss in the sky, just kind of bossing us around, telling us what to do, Lord. But you're a God that just wants us to be in your presence, Lord. We look at the story of Mary and Martha, and you say, the one sitting around doing nothing but just spending time in my presence is the one that's doing the right thing. Lord, it's just, it's amazing and fascinating um, and also just a huge relief, Lord, that if we spend this life just walking with you and resting with you and being with you, we'll we'll do exactly what you want us to do, Lord. And and we know Ephesians says that you have good works mapped out for us to do, um, Lord, but it's the things that you've mapped out, Lord. And it's when we rest in your presence that we can see it clearly, Lord. And then when we're walking through those things, um, that you've planned in advance for us to do, Lord, we're, we're supposed to be walking with you through it as well. Lord, and, and worry, and anxiety, and doubt, and fear have no part in that, Lord. Those come when we're trying to manage our lives ourselves. Lord, but your freedom comes when we just release it and just say, let me just be in your presence in every moment. Lord, and... For so many of us, even those that have been walking for years with you, it's sliver of our day where we're actually able to do that, Lord. But we just pray that you grow it and that you take more and more and more of our lives and our minutes and our hours and our days. Lord, we give it over to you. We want to create space for you to fill. Do that for us today. In your son's name we pray. Amen.